I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host. Joe Caparosa. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, I'm going to be joined by one of our younger writers at Turn on the Jets, James Koontz, who's hosted a few episodes on this feed before uh, around draft content. It's Thanksgiving week. We're recording this Monday right after the Jets got to 0-10. We're going to probably release it Wednesday or Thursday morning with a nice platter of some hot takes about the Jets' current situation and what they should do this offseason, things we strongly agree with or strongly disagree with that we are regularly seeing fans discuss on Twitter, under articles, on podcasts, everything else out there. We'll go for, you know, 20 or 25 minutes or so and then let you get back to your holiday. If you have not yet, subscribe, rate, review. Podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. We will be continuing to crank with weekly episodes through the rest of the season and then work to pick up our cadence a little more in what should be a very eventful offseason. If you have not yet, also check out our subscription ad-free podcast on Patreon, $3 a month, hosted by myself and Connor Rogers. You get weekly podcasts, you get weekly articles from both of us, and you'll be getting a lot more this offseason. That's patreon.com backslash Badlands T-O-J. James, how you doing? Thank you for joining us. Doing well. Really looking forward to talking some Jets football with you. So before we dive in, we'll give a very, very brief recap of yet another Jets loss. Got a little close for comfort at the end, but the reality, this is the Chargers, and this is what the Chargers do. It was a 31-13 game early in the fourth quarter. Jets ended up only losing by six as the Chargers had to take a safety, intentional safety let late we got a a fourth quarter Chris Herndon touchdown uh we finally got a Frank Gore touchdown the main story I would say coming out of this game was Denzel Mims looked very very good again over 70 yards receiving drew a couple penalties another good game from Akai Becton kind of been a reoccurring theme with talking about Jet games the past few weeks they're closer and more competitive the past two weeks although they've played two really bad teams which I do think everyone should remember uh but the rookie class particularly Becton and Mims, has flashed really well. This game also had a lot of Bryce Hall, who I think, all things considered, held his own and played well. Certainly much more useful to see him out there than Pierre Desir, uh, who's now been cut. Uh, saw a little Zaniga, saw a little Bryce Huff. Uh, Ashton Davis still starting at safety. Did relatively well. He's a little inconsistent, I would say, at this point. Uh, P. Ryan, okay, you know, still not really popping off that much, and he's actually now hurt and could be out for three or four weeks. We'll be seeing 
that much more Frank Gore. Real quick, what were your main takeaways from the game against the Chargers, and were you ever really nervous in the second half? Well, I think any time you have a team as bad as the 2020 Jets, you really do need to look at the younger players, um, you know, in these blowout games. Um, and I was nervous in the second half going to your second question. Um, I generally, um, like, don't like to try to underestimate the Jets, even as bad as they are. Um, but that said, you know, it was nice to see the Chargers close one out. In terms of some takeaways, I thought that um, Bryce Hall was uh, pretty good overall, despite facing two very good receivers in Keenan Allen, who's arguably the best route runner in the NFL, and Mike Williams, who's a very good jump ball target. Um, and I thought he held his own. Um, you know, he was penalized on that play early in the first quarter, which I think was pretty debatable. Um, but I think the way he performed is exactly what you wanted to see as a Jets fan. Um, and I think the other rookies, as you mentioned, looked really good. Beckton looked good, particularly when he was lined up against Bosa in the run game. Um, I thought P. Ryan looked very good also. Mims obviously was his best game thus far. Um, and so I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism um, coming away from this Chargers game. Yeah, look, I, I do feel like we've generally been getting a little more optimistic here because it does actually look like Beckton and Mims are very much the real deal. And especially for – I mean, we've known that about Beckton for a bit now. But with Mims – it's just been so long since the Jets have had a really exciting rookie receiver, a really a really exciting rookie skill position player. Uh, so he, he really does look the part. And I, I hope that they – and I won't count on this because they're a terribly coached team, but I hope they go above and beyond to manufacture more touches and targets for him in these pi- final six weeks. And I, I don't see any reason that if he's healthy, he can't be in a 1,000-yard receiver next year, which is a nice – piece to be able to give to your next quarterback uh, along with the franchise left tackle and Mekhi Becton. So let's start with the head coach search. There's a lot of names at this point. I don't think there's any clear front runner. I think it's very hard to guess or project exactly the way this search is going to go. I think it's a different type of search with a different type of ceiling. If the Jets have the first overall pick, which I still think is likely, uh, you know, slight favorites over the Jags at this point. What is the most popular name you're seeing on Jets Twitter that you are not sold on and you think fans are too high on? That's a really good question. I think the most popular name that I disliked a lot was Greg Roman. But obviously with the Ravens' struggles in recent weeks um, and Greg Roman coming under a lot of criticism on Twitter, he's faded as a popular head coaching hire. Um I would say that the prominent head coaching candidate that I like the least compared to Jets Twitter is Joe Brady. And this is certainly more of a stylistic um, like uh, difference in opinion that I have compared to a lot of people on Jets Twitter. But I'm a lot less adamant that the Jets need to hire a very good play caller as head coach. I'm much more uh, of the opinion that the Jets should hire somebody who's a good leader, someone who has um, – who can hire a good staff using their network of contacts in the NFL. Um, Because I think at the end of the day, um, lots of different types of coaches can be successful, not just offensive coordinators. What we need is somebody who's going to bring an air of legitimacy, who's going to bring in coaches as coordinators and position coaches who are reputable and who can uh, encourage and uh, speed up player development, especially considering that, we're going to have a very young team going forward with all the draft picks that we have. I think there should be a premium on hiring coaches who can, who have a track record of young player development. 
And I think with Brady, um, he's been successful in Carolina. Um, he obviously rose to you know prominence with LSU, but uh, I'm just concerned about his ability to um, create a staff given the fact that he was basically a graduate assistant uh, three years ago in college. So I would say that's my uh, more hot take among the Jets head coaches. It's a fair point. I think we always forget that just because someone's a good play caller or show signs of being a good play caller, it's an extremely different job than being a head coach. It's, it's honestly not even like remotely the same thing. Being a head coach is being a CEO of an organization. It's picking a staff. It's managing the game. Calling, a play, calling the plays is a very specific thing. Now, I think there's always going to be more excitement from Jet fans around offensive minds, particularly forward-thinking offensive minds. Uh, can you guess right in some ways and find someone who is actually like the next McVay or uh, somebody who does actually have it because they've been in the right situation and they picked up the right traits? It's certainly one of the more – high ceiling potential moves, but also one with the lowest floor and, you know, the biggest bust potential. And I do think if you hire him, I, I like Jordan Reed, our, our friend uh, who's been on Badlands a few times, suggestion that if you did go with Brady, you pair, pairing him with a, a really experienced defensive coordinator or a Wade Phillips type, someone who has been a head coach before and could help with that transition of managing the entire organization. I do think Brady's an interesting name who will be in the mix. You know, for me – I'm actually surprised by the volume of Jet fans who are still really excited about Jim Harbaugh, despite his struggles in recent years. Now, Harbaugh had a hell of a lot of success in the NFL, um, but it's gotten, I would say, a mix of you know disappointing and kind of ugly at Michigan now. And obviously a strong personality guy. Woody Johnson will always chase him. I don't think it's likely, but I do think he'll be in the mix. I'm not as enthused about that path as some Jet fans are. Going on the flip, flip side of this, who's a name that you're seeing Jet fans down on uh, as a potential candidate that they should potentially be more excited about? That's a good question. I think um, for me, it would be somebody along the lines of P.J. Fleck. Um, you know, he was originally my, uh, my number one favorite head coaching candidate for the New York Jets. Um, he has since had a relatively poor year. Um, as head coach of the Minnesota Gophers. Um, but that said, I do think that he would be a very good head coaching candidate, very much in the same vein as Matt Campbell. Um, they have virtually the same amount of success as college head coaches. They have almost the exact same record uh, over the course of their careers. I think the fundamental difference between Campbell, who's gotten a lot of praise from Jets fans, and Fleck, who's gotten not as much traction among Jets fans, is the fact that Fleck was a former NFL player and NFL position coach. And when we look at how can we make how can we like make sure that our head coaching hire um, is going to be successful in the NFL? Well, nothing can guarantee it. But I think one of the closest things you can get to that is hiring somebody who knows what it's like to be a player can take the temperature of a locker room and who knows what it's like to be a position coach. Um, and so with that, I think Fleck is probably the candidate that I um, like the most who doesn't have as much traction within the fan base. It's Interesting. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's hard to say. I do think Douglas is going to do his diligence on the Baltimore coordinators. And I don't think those are going to be popular with jet fans because Baltimore has been a bit of a disappointment so far this year. We don't know how the season's going to finish out. Right now, they're 6-4 and four going into a tough game against Pittsburgh. Probably still going to make the playoffs. 
not going to win their division. We'll see if they win a playoff game or two. They haven't yet with this, you know, sort of iteration of their team. It, I wouldn't be just because like, let's say they end up seriously considering, you know, Wink Martindale, who's the Ravens defensive coordinator, a unit that's been a little up and down this year. Jeff fans are probably going to hate that on the surface and maybe without good merit for all we know, he could have the right personality. He could have the right organizational skills. He could have rubbed, he could have picked up enough stuff from Harbaugh in Baltimore where it actually translates well to him uh, leading, you know, leading an organization and assembling a staff. Of course, it's going to be key in that situation. Who's your offensive coordinator? Who's your quarterback coach? How do you round out the rest of that staff while, you know, sort of improving that defense? And uh, if Jet fans want to be so confident in Joe Douglas and trust his judgment, you would be trusting his judgment in that situation. No guarantee he's not going to be another version of Vic Fangio. That, that could be the case too. But all these guys are a bit of a crapshoot. There's no, there's no slam dunk at this point. You know, whether it's candidates that fans generally like a little more, like a, you know, a Matt Campbell or a Brady, or ones that aren't as exciting necessarily as like, a, you know, Martindale or some of these other guys. Like, it, it is impossible to say, but I wouldn't necessarily, you know, write that off as being a disaster. I, I just hope that generally they stay away from any of the obvious, oh my God, this is a nightmare Adam Gase type hires. The only name I could see floating around out there, and even he's much better than Gase, would be someone like Bill O'Brien. And I, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's just – you know, again, I was shocked that the Jets considered Gase last time and certainly hired him, so they, they could certainly surprise me again. But it, it's going to be a very wide-open search. Now, switching to the current roster and the current team, let's do this from a player perspective. Who is a player or two, maybe go one offense, one defense, that Jet fans have vastly overrated this season so far through 10 games? Well, I think for a while, the player on offense who fans overrated was Darnold. Um, but I don't think there's necessarily the need to, like, rehash that conversation, that discussion too much. Um, because I think t- fans tend to be more on the same page now. Um, but I think on defense, the player who Jets fans um, tend to overrate a little bit, uh, generally kind of overrated. He had a very good game against the Chargers, but – uh, before that, the last time he had a really good game was week one against the Bills. I think the thing with May is that um, he's fine within the scheme. Um, he's not uh, – he, he's more of a coverage safety than a box safety. Um, but I think with May, what you got to consider is how difficult is it to find a player like him? Um, and really, it's not too difficult. You can find him in the draft um, on day two or day three. Um, and – how much would it cost to retain him? I think probably right now his market value is around seven or $8 million. And so like, at least for me, I know that there is some momentum within the fan base to re-sign May after this season and pair him with Davis. But in my opinion, I think it'd be a wiser decision overall just to draft a safety or to sign somebody else in free agency. Um, because I think overall safety is not too valuable of a position um, and there are better ways to use the money that would otherwise go to May. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I think May is one of those guys who's like fine. Like he, he's an he's a fine starter. He's a little older than you'd like him to be. He's like 28 already because uh, he was so old when he was drafted. And I think you know he had that, like you said, that massive game week one, and he's been okay since. I, and I don't know if I necessarily break the bank to keep him around. I'm curious to see how the rest of the safety market shakes out, but definitely a replaceable player. It's still 
annoys the hell out of me that I jokingly suggested the Jets traded Marcus May in a second-round pick for Alvin Kamara. And fans are like, no, you can't give up May for Kamara. And it's just I, it's kind of like personally soured me on May a little bit to no fault of his own. But I think he's, you know, very replaceable position, which is, I think, what we, you know, what he does defensively. You know, keep him on reasonable money, but don't go crazy uh, trying to keep him. And then offensively, there's a couple holdouts still with Darnold, but I think most have accepted that it's over. Um, there just hasn't been enough, uh, you know, else. I think P. Ryan is probably a guy who keeps getting batched in just out of habit, you know, with, with Mims and Becton, and he definitely has not been anywhere near that level. He's been pretty average, like not terrible, a couple nice moments here or there, but certainly has not shown that he's, you know, capable of being a starting running back, and now he's going to miss some extended time. So, you know, decent role player, but I, I wouldn't go crazy, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's had like a staggeringly impressive rookie year. On the flip side, who are a couple underappreciated players at this point or players who are being written off that probably shouldn't yet? Okay, I think the most underrated player within the fan base is George Fant. Um, if we look at Fant, at the time he was signed, it was a very controversial and contrarian signing. Um, he was signed for $10 million a year for three years, um, although only the first year, this year, was guaranteed on his contract. And I see a lot of fans talking about how we should replace him in the draft with a late first round, early second round, or maybe even a mid-round tackle. And uh, I couldn't be more opposed to that personally. I think when you look at Fant, he's been an overall pretty average tackle. Um, and especially when you consider the fact that he isn't on that expensive of a contract, it's, I believe, $9.5 million for next year. Um, I think it would be wise to bring him back. Uh, now, the other reason why I think Fant um, should be brought back as opposed to drafting somebody else is that I think there's very big opportunity cost to drafting somebody to replace him who might be better than him, whereas we can have a relatively average right tackle and we can spend a premium pick on another position where there's, where there's a more vast difference between our current player and the player that we could draft. So I think George Fant, for me, on offense is the most underrated, uh, unappreciated player. And I think on defense, um, it's kind of tough to say because I feel like the good Jets defensive players do get a lot of hype. Um, but I'd say the one guy this year who's been less prominent and less praised is Foley Fadukasi. Um, he's always just been a really good run stopper. And I understand that that's not too valuable this year or in today's NFL. Um, and that we do have a lot of capable interior defensive linemen. But I do think Fadukasi is a really – unappreciated player uh, here who probably isn't going to be resigned by the Jets um, in a year from now, but I think he could fetch a pretty penny um, on the free agent market, maybe seven or $8 million a year, um, which is pretty good overall, considering that we're not paying him too much. We're paying around a million dollars this year. So those are the two players uh, I think are underappreciated. Yeah, I definitely I don't disagree. I think another name I want to throw in the mix that I understand fans are disgusted with him because of how bad he's been this year. But you saw a couple of flashes of the athleticism against the Chargers. He's on a dirt cheap rookie contract. I see no reason to cut Chris Herndon this offseason. I would bring him back with a different coaching staff, not make yourself – again, he might not be the full-time answer at tight end, but 
if he could even be 90% of the player he was down the stretch in 2018 and make a handful more of the plays he did against the Chargers where, you know, he had a nice touchdown, a nice 30-yard grab, there could be something there. I mean, I don't – I find it hard to believe the guy just totally forgot to play football. I'd love to see a deep dive into what really happened this year because it looks like something's going on. I have no idea, but whether he just has the yips or he's in his own head, I'd like to see him get another look uh, next year. Afat Sukasi, I think there's no reason he can't be sort of that starting nose tackle for them. And that's good, you know, good value finding a guy like that in middle rounds. And that, that's definitely been encouraging to see. I, I think well outlined on Fant, and he will probably be back as a starting right tackle next year. There's only so many holes you could try to fill uh, in one offseason. And him being passable has been a pleasant surprise and you know, not something I think a lot of us expected. So, you know, you take, you take those free agency wins. Uh, you take those free agency wins where you can get them. Um, before we wrap, what are sort of one or two other hotter takes that you'd like to throw out there uh, to close the season? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I guess some other takes of mine that have been like percolating. Uh, number one, I mean, I think Joe Flacco is more of a threat to the tank than Sam Darnold because with Flacco, he pushes the ball down the field. Um, you know, we obviously he threw that disgusting interception on the out route that like should not be happening for somebody his age and with his level of experience, but he pushes the ball downfield. Um, he like, doesn't make, I, I think he's better in terms of like recognition and like getting the ball out, uh, compared to Sam where Sam just kind of looks like a deer in the headlights once he sees that his first read isn't open. So I say that's like one of my hot takes. Um, I guess one of my other hot takes is that I think overall, like, this team can be competing for the playoffs next year. Um, and I'm not sure how high of a take that is, but I do think that people tend to overestimate the amount of time that it takes to turn around the roster in the NFL, especially considering the amount of cap space we have and then the amount of draft picks that we have. I do think that um, most of our position groups can be average at a minimum next year. Um, and I think really the arrow's pointing up for this team. So I'd say those are two of my hotter takes. That I- I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. The rebuild time in the NFL does not need to be this long. We're, we're seeing it with Miami, who the Jets are playing this week, who are 6-4 and four now, and if they can handle business against the Jets and the Bengals and a couple of the other easy games in their schedule, we'll be in the playoffs after embarking on what was considered at the time a very ambitious tank and rebuild. And I think unlike some other iterations of the Jets rebuild, they could have the head start of having a key position filled in left tackle, have an actual skill position player in place in Mims. Um, and then Lawrence, if he ends up being the guy at number one, uh, which he will be if the Jets end up picking first, could very well be someone who has that cut type of impact where a team could get immediately competitive. We saw it with Andrew Luck. You know, Her- Herbert's been sensational this year, and the Chargers are just so weird at the end of games. I mean, they're a three and seven team that should honestly probably be like five and five or six and four right now. Um, but it was, you know, it's night and day with him in there than what they would have been with Tyron Taylor. And, you know, there's obviously other, you know, examples of that around the league. But if you get the quarterback and the coach to improve that much over what the situation's been this year, it doesn't have to be that long of a turnaround. I, looking at the rest of this year, if you asked me three weeks ago, I did not have a doubt in my mind the Jets would go 0-16. I do think they are going to win a game out of these last six, but I also think Jacksonville is going to win a game. Uh, Jacksonville still has the Browns. The Bears, with God knows who's going to be playing quarterback, the Vikings, and then they have the Colts in a Week 17 game where they could be resting starters. I think they'll win one of those four games, and I think the Jets will win one of their three home games. I, they're not going to win a road game. I don't worry about road games for them. But out of the Dolphins, the Browns, and the Raiders, although the Raiders have looked pretty damn good this year compared to last year, I'm worried they're going to get one. I hope I'm wrong. They could. And maybe if Jacksonville does win another one, it would be nice to see them get one and go 1-15 and not 0-16. I don't know what game it's going to be. I, I, I have a feeling that they'll be a popular, trendy pick this week against the Dolphins because the Dolphins look like crap last week. But teams have letdowns like that. Playing in Denver is always a bit weird. So I wouldn't be surprised if Miami did actually you know, handle business this week, regardless of who the quarterback is. And we don't know who it's going to be yet. Um, the Raiders game, I still worry always about a team coming east, and I definitely worry about the Browns game. Before we let you go, what, which of these six games are you worried about the most, and how do you see the Jets and Jaguars finishing out? Yeah, so I think I, I think the only threat to um, winning a game is really our last game. Um, I'm concerned that the Pats won't be in a position where, they're, where they have enough incentive to really win. Um, also I do think that they could put in Stidham at quarterback if they're in that type of situation, um, which could either, could go either way in terms of how it would affect the game. You know, maybe Stidham shows out and does real well, or alternatively, um, he doesn't do too well and the Jets steal a game. Um, I generally do agree that the Jags could steal another game, but as I often bring up in the TOJ Slack, um, people have been saying that the Jags will steal a game for two and a half months and they haven't done so since week one. So. Um, I think we got to be careful not to conflate being competitive with actually being able to, to beat some of these teams. Um, but overall, I'd say the chances of us landing the number one overall pick um, are around 50, 50, um, which I think, you know, it, it's something to look forward to overall. So I, I'm confident in our ability to close it out with the tank. 
We're almost there. We're almost there. And I think the point you just said about Jacksonville holds for the Jets, right? There's a difference between being competitive and winning a game. And the Jets were competitive against the Patriots and Chargers, but the Patriots and Chargers are going to finish 5-11 and 11 and 6-10 and 10 this year. Uh, the Dolphins and Raiders are probably going to win 9 or 10 games. So those, those are different caliber of competition. Um, and the Jets are going to continue to have shuffling in their lineup. Fant might not play this week. Piri might not play this week. He won't play this week. We, we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode to talk about Jets-Dolphins, what happened there, and then preview Jets-Raiders. Six games to go. We're almost there, folks. <laughs>